hi guys so in this lecture we are going to talk about the febrile seizures so what are the risk factors for febrile seizures first it's the fever typically with the viral illness family history of the seizure may be present so do remember febrile seizures may have a family history associated diagnostic criteria for febrile seizures it is usually seen in eight six months to five years and there is no there should be no previous febrile a febrile seizures okay and uh, there should be no sign of cns infection and no acute metabolic cause such as hypoglycemia so if a child comes to you and six months to five years of age and there's no history of previous afebrile seizures there's no history of any cns infections and no acute metabolic cause that is hypoglycemia or anything then you say that this child may have this febrile seizure management uh you have to give abortive therapy if the seizure is for more than equal to five minutes and otherwise symptomatic care is given with the antipyretics and reassurance is the treatment of choice so abortive therapy given only if seizure is more than five minutes symptomatic care and antipyretics and reassurance what is the prognosis of febrile seizures so no long-term sequelae is there so if someone asks you is there a, is this going to bother in future or something like that you're gonna say no it's it has no long-term sequelae increased risk of subsequent febrile seizures but there is a high chance of subsequent febrile seizure but and also there is very slight increased risk of epilepsy in near future like one percent or maybe less than one person so for example if a child comes to you having febrile seizures which is a common complication of high fever that usually develops from the mild virus infection common cold febrile seizures frequently affect the child of 3 months to 6 years of age okay and the seizures are typically non focal which lasts for less than 15 minutes and it, these are non focal it could be generalized okay so it lasts for less than 15 minutes and do not occur more than once per day so you see that febrile seizures are usually only once a day and patients with febrile seizures have no previous afebrile seizures, no evidence of metabolic disorders such as you see that there's estrexis or depressed sensorium, something like that, because these are suggesting of the increased uric acid or yeah, what you said that 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 kind of stuff is not there. No signs of intracranial infection such as neck stiffness, bulging fontanel, photophobia. Then you said that this patient might have febrile seizure. Febrile seizures are diagnosed clinically and further evaluation is typically not indicated. Patients should be provided reassurance that febrile seizures are common and usually resolved by itself without any long-term sequelae. Antipyretics should be given just to reduce the fever in case and the patient should be informed that they do not need prevention, like they do not prevent future risk of the febrile seizures. So that's why this can occur in near future but this antipyretic is for the symptomatic relief during this state okay now for the long-lasting events the long-lasting events could be the another episode that's it okay now uh do remember antibiotics are not needed for this unless there is an upper respiratory tract infection symptoms including the cough or rhinorrhea okay electroencephalogram they might ask you that do you want to go for electroencephalogram for this patient so it is indicated with atypical seizures if someone is having multiple or maybe focal seizure or if there is some other abnormal neurological finding such as abnormal, uh, abnormal reflexes or delayed, delayed development if you see delayed development abnormal reflexes then you have to go for electroencephalogram 
but uh, if a neurological examination is normal no atypical feature is there then it is not indi indicated and lumbar puncture is not indicated unless there are signs of meningitis or something okay so if there it is not there then you don't need to go for that now abortive antileptic therapy is given only when the seizure is lasting for more than equal to five minutes due to risk of cardiorespiratory compromise so that time we can go for abortive anti-epileptic therapy otherwise it is also not needed so yeah febrile seizures are benign complications of the infections that are diagnosed clinically patients with this presentations are favorable prognosis and no acute long-term sequelae therefore management is typically provided by a with reassurance that's all what you do okay now the next thing which we are going to talk about is the non-alcoholic fatty liver disease okay so how are you going to define the non-alcoholic fatty liver disease hepatic steatosis on imaging or biopsy so if you see that there is hepatic steatosis on maybe on imaging or maybe on biopsy okay or other thing is exclusion of any other etiology if you see that the patient is not taking alcohol not having any hepatitis C infection, not using glucocorticoid, then you can say it is non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. No alcohol, not only alcohol, also no evidence of hepatitis C and no glucocorticoid use history. Now, clinical features of non-alcoholic fatty liver diseases includes mostly they are asymptomatic, but you can have metabolic syndrome, and also ASTLT level ratio will be less than one because we know that this ratio is more than two in case of alcohol and uh, more than one let's suppose but it is less than one then you can say it is non-alcoholic fatty liver disease hyperechoic texture on the ultrasound hyperechoic texture ASTLT ratio less than one metabolic syndrome mostly asymptomatic treatment so for the treatment you ask the patient to go for weight loss or dietary modification and exercise regimen is given consider bariatric surgery if the bmi is more than equal to 35 so for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease you have to have some kind of treatment which includes the weight loss and uh, consider bariatric surgery prognosis so non-alcoholic fatty liver disease prognosis hepatic fibrosis associated with increased risk of cirrhosis and liver related death so what you see is if there is a presence of hepatic fibrosis that means this situation is now having a poor prognosis because there are high risk of cirrhosis and also liver related death in this patient now okay so overall what was the idea behind all alcoholic fatty liver disease is it characterized by insulin resistance with increased hepatic uptake of the fatty acid and a position of the triglyceride droplet into the liver tissues leading to steatosis so it is mainly because of the insulin resistance and there is increased hepatic uptake of the fatty acid and therefore triglyceride drops are deposited in the liver tissues histopathological finding can range from band steatosis without inflammatory changes to hepatocyte ballooning degenerations or lobular inflammation so you can have lobular inflammation or maybe band steatosis and this uh, ballooning degeneration and lobular inflammation is also known as non-alcoholic steatohepatitis that is the NASH NASH non-alcoholic steatohepatitis over time you see there is chronic inflammation in the NASH and can transform into the hepatic stellate cells which is also known as itocells into the collagen producing myofibroblasts so this itocells can produce myofibroblasts which can eventually lead to fibrosis and cirrhosis so liver biopsy is sometimes performed 
in selected patients with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease example if there is elevated liver enzyme or splenomegaly or any other features of cirrhosis so if you see that the patient is having non-alcoholic fatty liver disease then you go for liver biopsy only when there is elevated liver enzyme persistently elevated liver enzyme persistent more is very important here also if there is splenomegaly over the diseases of liver and you're looking at the spleen to figure out where you where you want to go for biopsy or not and also if there are other features of cirrhosis like spider nevi pomerythma and all those things to characterize the disease and assess the prognosis. Fibrosis is associated with the increased risk of the prognosis to the cirrhosis and it is primary predictor of liver-related death in the patients with NAFLD and it wants more aggressive management. So if you see fibrosis, you have to treat aggressively. Aggressive weight loss if needed and also if achieved prior to the onset of cirrhosis can often reserve or reverse the fibrosis in the patients with NASH. So if you are going and obtaining asking the patient to go for aggressive weight loss then this might reverse situation so what is very very important to counsel the patient about this thing okay now if suppose the patient's bmi is more than equal to like severe high bmi and you see that there is hepatic transaminases level are very high and all these things these are associated with hepatic fibrosis but these are not the independent prognostic indicator of the liver-related death. So they may be a prognostic factor, but these are not the indicator of the liver-related death. Okay, BMI, nope, this is not the indicator of that. And the transaminases level double, it is also not a uh, proper prognostic factors. Okay, steatosis alone is again in... Uh, can be seen but that's again not a prognostic factor ferritin is an acute phase reactant which is again not a prognostic factor and it does not correlate with cirrhosis risk or anything it's just a inflammatory marker or acute phase reactant so basically in a patient with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease hepatic fibrosis is associated with increased risk of the progress progression to the cirrhosis and it is primary prognostic factor of the liver related death yeah so this is it for this lecture thank you so much for listening